Introducing the online MBA from Tulane University's Freeman School of Business. This fully accredited program is currently offering a 17% scholarship for online MBA students. Apply today. Classes begin August 21st, 2023. Learn about the curriculum and career outcomes at freemanonlinemba.com. That's freemanonlinemba.com. I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Rich Collins. This week's guest is Jeffrey Meeker, founder and owner of French Truck Coffee. The business began in 2009 in his laundry room, and it has now grown to encompass 10 shops with two more on the way. Over the last decade and a half almost, Meeker has had to become a coffee expert, as well as a pro at scaling and managing a business through extreme weather events, the pandemic, and all the challenges that come with life and work in New Orleans. Jeffrey Meeker, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. So first off, what's the condensed Reader's Digest version of your origin story? I heard it all started with uh, one delicious cup. Yeah, um, I was uh, living in the Caribbean and my cousin, of course, wanted to come visit. And she was living in San Francisco and Blue Bottle was just starting out. And James Freeman was still roasting in a parking garage. Um, so she picked up a bag of coffee because she'd heard it was really good and brought it with her and found out that that bag of coffee had been roasted just the day before she flew to us. So it was super fresh. Um, and I hadn't had anything like it. Uh, my, my, uh, background is in the culinary world and I'd worked at five-star restaurants all over the country and I couldn't understand why there was coffee that was this good that I hadn't had before because... Ah our restaurants should have really good coffee, right? So um, I did a little reverse engineering to try to figure out what was going on and why it was so different and came up with the same story that you do with any good food. And that is high quality ingredients prepared well and delivered expeditiously tastes better than the alternative. <laughs> tastes better than freeze dried uh, American agribusiness garbage. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so that that was 2009-ish. What took you from that inspiration to, you know, getting launched? Um, probably um, a little bit of foolishness. Um, a lot of not knowing what I was getting myself into. And then, um, you know, a lot of I'm just going to keep working hard at this until I get where I want to go. And, you know, we're, we are where I want to go, but we keep growing, um, continue to create new opportunities for folks. And it's really rewarding. Okay, now how would you describe the state of French truck today? Uh, can you use some metrics or just anecdotes? It, 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 tell the story of your growth and your current status. So a good um, explanation of it would be that when I started, I um, owned a mini um, vehicle, not, not the, the brand mini, yeah, mini Cooper. And I would pick up bags from the local warehouse out in the east, um, one or two bags at a time every two to three weeks. And of course the guys on the docks there had a good time laughing at the, the guy picking up like one or two bags in his mini Cooper. Um, 
we buy uh, upwards of eight containers of coffee a year now. Uh, container shipping has, containers, giant shipping containers. Yeah. Yeah. So a shipping container usually has between 240 and 280 bags in it. So if you can, you know, do the math on that, you can think about how exponential that growth is. Um, and it is really satisfying to see what kind of impact we can make on the folks that are um, growing and harvesting this coffee. Um, because we do charge a premium over some of our competitors and that gives us the opportunity to really help out the folks that are doing the growing. Um, and then in turn, they're doing a better job growing and we get a better product. So it's this kind of mutually beneficial situation. Can you talk a little bit about your relationships with these farmers and exporters? Where does the coffee come from and what's your connection to those communities now? Well, we, we import from, uh, several different countries all over the world. So we're in Ethiopia, Rwanda, Guatemala, Mexico, Colombia, Brazil, um, Peru. And wherever we have been able to, we um, have created kind of long-term relationships with those um, exporters and growers. Um, it's really heartening to see the impact that that can make. We go see it, meet a farmer for the first time because we've been intrigued by the quality of his product. Um, the first time we meet him, he's got a little, you know, basically shack on the side of a hill, uh, kids running around barefoot, that kind of thing. Two, three years in, he's got a full-blown home on the property. He's driving a newer motorcycle. The kids have got school uniforms on. Um, there's running water at the house. Things that, you know, in the United States we take for granted day in and day out. And... Uh, these folks, it's a it's a huge change to their lifestyle because we've been able to connect with them, and we buy the same you know buy from them year after year, and they can count on a steady income um, that really lets them build a, a much better life than they had before we started purchasing from them. I know it sounds like the impact on the community is something that's been important to you from the beginning. Yeah, it's you know it, sure we're a for profit business. Um, but we'd like to do some good along the way um, and taking care of the folks that are doing the actual growing is easy in the wine industry because they're, you know, they're in California or they're in, in New Zealand and you can see and that through technology, et cetera, where that what is happening there. Um, a lot of these folks are growing coffee out in the middle of nowhere and having a cell phone is something that they didn't, never thought they'd have. And now we can we WhatsApp with them on a on a weekly or monthly basis just to see how the crops coming in when they're going to be harvesting when we should be scheduling visits to get down there to sample everything and start you know doing all the the work that it takes to logistically get that coffee from that farm to the processing facility to a container to new orleans to french truck are there other competitors that are out there scouting for the same farmers same locations i mean it's got to be Sure. Yeah, there are there's lots of different little uh, regional roasters like us that um, are doing similar. Now, I'm friendly with uh, quite a few of them. Uh, you know, we commiserated during COVID shutdowns. We talk about it when the we talk to each other when the the uh, commodities markets go crazy because the coffee coffee prices are connected to the commodities market. Um, but we all kind of have respect for each other, and and we also don't want to try to compete each other against each other selling the same things. So we tend to work with one another. And, you know, if this is if this is the guy that you're working with, somebody isn't going to try to horn in on that business and, and take it away. The country in my lifetime, over a number of decades, let's say, 
has really become more coffee focused. How does New Orleans fit into the coffee story? I don't think people understand how much coffee is coming and going from from our port. Yeah, we're we were instrumental in coffee becoming part of of the U.S. culture because of the Mississippi River, because of the Port of New Orleans. Um, it was coming through the Port of New Orleans long before it hit New York City or um, anything on the West Coast. Um, but we, a, a lot of this coffee is commodity coffee, which is the stuff that ends up in Folgers or Sanka or any of those kind of grocery store brands. And the volumes there, you know, those are those are volumes that are being bought by the rail car rather than the 150 pound bag like we do. And it's treated almost like grain. It comes on bulk container ships and gets sucked up through augers and put into rail cars that then dump the coffee underneath their bellies into a, a chute to be processed like Folgers. Um, that we haven't always had that volume, uh, but the volume that comes through New Orleans covers basically the Mississippi River Basin, um, because a lot of that coffee is not coming from the East and West Coast because of the transportation headaches that that can create. And so New Orleans is really important, more important than Houston, even um, when it comes to coffee. Can you just explain the difference between commodity and specialty coffee? Sure. It, to put it in wine terms or beer terms, um, you know, there's a lot of people that love a really good IPA that's made at a brewery down the road. There are also people who like uh, Coors Light, and those are two vastly different beers. Um, commodity coffee is the Coors Light of coffee. It is the the cheap stuff that you get at the at the Seven Eleven or at the Quick Stop. Um, it is based on the commodity price, which is the bare minimum that people will pay for coffee. Now, specialty coffee, um, the, the cupping range, uh, have cupping, cupping scores go from zero to 100, and specialty coffee is anything 80 and above. Um, and it is the top, basically 1% of the quality band. Uh, and that's what we buy. We buy every, everything we buy is actually closer to 84 and above. Uh, but 80 and above counts as special. Is there a guilty pleasure commodity coffee source that, that if you're in a pinch, you will, you'll go to? <laughs> uh, I'll be honest with you. There are a couple of products that we have that are kind of on the go products yeah. that we have for selfish reasons. Uh -huh. um, we have, we have two products. One is a cold brew packet that you can put 12 ounces of water in um, overnight and wake up the next morning and you've got cold brew ready to go. And then there's another one that is uh, almost like a tea bag, so you can make your own little French press in a cup. Um, and both of those both of those products are products that we don't sell a lot of, but we keep them around because we want to take them with us whenever we travel. You talked about this, the size of your business now in terms of the amount of coffee you buy, but uh, another number that's pretty impressive is is the ten shops, two on the way. Um, can you can you just rewind? What was that first location, and then jump ahead now to the one uh, you're about to open? That's an interesting story. Yeah, so we started um, in my laundry room, and the the weight of the bags started bowing the the floorboards, and so my <laughs> wife kicked me out. Um, and then we moved to a windowless warehouse um, that you know the air conditioning couldn't keep up, and we're trying to roast coffee in there. And then we moved to 1200 Magazine, which is right across the street from Barrel Proof in the Lower Garden District. That um, location had just basically a small coffee bar at the front of it, and then there was a glass wall, and the roasting was behind it, uh, that glass wall. And we had um, kind of antiquated old roasters that kicked off tons of heat. It'd be 110, 
110 in the roasting area most days. Um, and I said, you know, that was it. I didn't want to do anything but roast and have that one little coffee shop. And there's kind of a, a joke in French truck is if you want to know what we're doing next, go ask Jeffrey what he's never going to do. <laughs> um, so we we started, we saw that there was kind of a hole in the market for, you know, a breakfasty uh, high-end coffee place that could serve breakfast sandwiches and that kind of thing. And so we opened the location that is uh, what we call our uptown location at the corner of um, Dryads and Cadiz, which is back behind Sacred Heart. And um, the long and short of it is that became a great success. And then we opened the French Quarter one, and that was a big success. And then we expanded to Baton Rouge and Memphis and picked up a Whole Foods location. And the one I'm getting ready to open or that we're getting ready to open is the former Starbucks at the corner of Canal and St. Charles that Starbucks gave up on. So, you know, it's it's pretty wild that we've taken over locations that were former local coffee companies, former national coffee companies. And, you know, it, it seems like we've got a winning formula because we're having success in those locations where those companies had decided they couldn't. I think it's meaningful that you are moving into that space that Starbucks is leaving. I thought it was a low blow when when they when they checked out of that spot and blamed the you know the New Orleans crime wave as the as the reason. I feel like there was probably some other reasons that maybe had nothing to do with us. Uh, is it meaningful for you to be able to show your support and belief in the New Orleans economy and community? Oh yeah, um, you know I know New Orleans warts and all. You know and part of our appeal is some of those words and it is really interesting to see you know the solutions and the the uh, to the challenges that we can come up with as a community and with that my staff comes up with because they are you know fully invested in in being a part of something that, you know that is pro new orleans and truly uh represents that hospitality because I, I i say to our team all the time you know we are a hospitality company first and a coffee company second um i want the coffee to be really good but the first and most important part is making people feel good um a mentor of mine once told me people don't remember what you fed or gave them to, to drink what they remember is how they how how you made them feel um and i i try to impart that with all of our staff it's like you know there are some people that are walking through the door because they have a medical need <laughs> for our products. But how do how do those people feel when they walk out the door? Do they feel like they were they were that you were happy that they were there? They feel like they got taken care of. Do they feel you know is their day a little bit better because they came to see us? It's, yeah, it's, it's it's beyond just being caffeinated. It's also being treated well. Right, right, and that's not always the case in coffee shops, especially corporate ones. All this growth and all these shops is a lot of work. It's a lot of investment. It's a lot of risk. We're a business publication. I'm curious if you can just, in broad strokes, talk about how, what's the team that you've built? What's the backing you've got to expand to this degree? It's same, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, so um, very early on, um, Bobby Winston, who's my business partner, came along and said, you know, I want to work with you. And I said, well, I don't have a job, so I, I don't know what you're going to do. And he's like, no, I just want to, I want to learn what you're doing and I want to be a part of it. And so he came on pretty early as kind of the one of the Sherpas that helped, you know, move the coffee and the the hot water pot and all that to, to Palmer Park back when Palmer Park was uh, arts market, Ferret market, all of those to serve pour overs to the masses. And um, at some point he decided that he wanted to invest. And so he invested 
Um, we kept working with the SBA to try to continue to do the, the growth that we could. Um, and so it's just the two of us. Um, and, you know, we've tried to be real smart with the way we utilize our debt and how we utilize our profits. Um, we're not, um, we're pouring a lot back in day in and day out to try to have this growth. Um, and it's, I don't, there are, there are times when I don't sleep a lot and it's not because of caffeine. Um, it's, it's, because, yeah, it's, it's because there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of worry and it is not for the faint of heart. But you have not had any private equity, anything like that. You guys, have, you're paying for these as you go. And then the stores themselves pay for themselves. That's basically how it works. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we've, I think we've done a pretty good job. We've learned some lessons along the way. We've had some foibles and it uh, it comes down to being um we're not risk averse but we're also rather conservative in in the steps that we take do you rent or own your buildings i'm sure it's different in each case do you own any of them no everything's leased so uh you made a joke that uh, if you want to know where french truck is going just ask what you're not willing to do next so what, what do you see as the future? Uh, jump ahead five years, 10 years. Where do you see French truck? Um, I would guess that we'll probably be uh, in the 15 to 20 um, location range. Um, we are comfortable where we're where we are, but we do like growing because it gives more opportunities to the team that's helping us build and helping us grow. Um, so uh, that would be my my projection is you know 15 to 20 locations um we're trying to stay regional um you know there are some of our competitors that have places as far afield as dubai and that, that's just not for us we're you know we're really concerned about the freshness and the quality and we don't want to lose um, control over uh that because we think it is damaging to the brand how much do you think Talking about the brand, how much do you think that the actual brand, the branding, uh, has been a part of your success? I feel like you guys have such a strong visual representation. The marketing side of it was just locked in from the beginning. How important is that? Do you think? I think it's hugely important. Coffee's a coffee's a commodity. We were just talking about it. You know, you can get coffee on pretty much every corner in every city in every country. Um, so. It was very important to me very early on to make sure that, you know, the name, the truck, the, the literal truck um, be driving around. The um, the colors were very intentional. Um, and, you know, we're very fortunate that the guy who does the marketing, we chose very early on to have an in-house marketing team, graphic design. He's been with us for eight years now. And, you know, that all that amazing stuff that you see Sure, some of it's my ideas, but they're his execution. Um, you know, I'm I may be the songwriter, but he's the performer. Got it. Last two questions. What, what, what do you say are French Truck's biggest advantages and challenges looking ahead? Our advantages are our our saturation of the New Orleans market and the the, the brand recognition that we have. Um, our challenges, I think, are like any company our size is. You know, how do you how do you capitalize that? Um, and literally capitalize it with financing without giving up a whole bunch of control and or um, ownership. Understood. Well, I did. Mean, I meant to ask, how many employees do you have right now, roughly? 
We're about 160 currently um, with adding another 40 with the, the locations that we've got coming up. So we'll be over 200 by the end of the year. Wow. Wow. Okay. And last question. You know New Orleans well. What makes you worried about our fair city and what makes you feel optimistic about our future? Um, optimistic, I think, is the people of the um, that we we have in our city who care about it. Um, who who understand it and understand the song? Do you know what it means? Um, what makes me worried, um, in all honesty, is our leadership in our city government. Um, there's not a whole lot to be excited about right now, and um, the, as far as progress there, uh, and it's really kind of. A, a shame that we're going to have to wait until we uh, another election to really get anything done. Well, here's hoping for good things on all those fronts. And Jeffrey Meeker, inspiring uh, to talk to you. Congratulations on all your success. And thank you for being a guest on our podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.